Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. All right, I'm recording. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. I'm Alice Miranda Oldstein. I am a healthcare reporter for Politico. Right now, if you're a person who wants to take birth control pills, you have to go to the doctor and get a prescription. But that could soon change. Upwards of half the country is losing access to abortion. Already millions of people struggle to get a birth control prescription, and there's a lot of fear that courts and conservative lawmakers will try to target birth control next and impose more restrictions. And so all of this is coming to a head as the FDA is considering the first ever application to be able to sell birth control pills over the counter without a prescription. On the show today, inside the six-year process behind what could be the United States' first ever over-the-counter birth control pill. So this has been in the works for years and years. In order to do this, uh, the pharmaceutical company that makes these pills has had to spend years conducting studies on thousands of people on whether people can safely understand the label on the pill and take it without, you know, a doctor's supervision uh, and whether they actually do it, take it correctly, take it safely. Um, so they feel that they have enough evidence that that's the case. And so they officially presented it to the FDA. And now we get to wait for several months, likely, to find out if this is going to be something we will be seeing at the local CVS on the shelves. So last year was the 60-year anniversary of the birth control pill first hitting the market in the U.S. Why has birth control historically been prescription only? Yeah, it's been prescription only in the U.S. especially. I should say that many other countries have it available over the counter already mm. and feel that, that the evidence is there, that it's safe and effective without a prescription. So this would sort of be a, a bit of a catch-up for the United States. But yes, you've had activists pushing for many years to have this more widely available. The argument is that while the Affordable Care Act made birth control a lot more accessible and affordable for people with insurance, there are still millions and millions of people without insurance who struggle to obtain and get access to contraception. Also, even for people with insurance, there are lots of reasons why people find it hard to access. Either they live too far away from a provider or a pharmacy, or they're in a situation where, you know, they might be in an abusive marriage and they don't want the prescription to show up on their insurance statement that their spouse could see. We also hear a lot about teens who don't want the parents to see that they are getting a birth control prescription and don't want that to show up. And so the folks pushing for this want this to be an expansion of access. Of course, people with insurance can still continue to get a prescription and get it covered absolutely for free under the Affordable Care Act. But this um, is an aim to move beyond that to other groups that don't have that access now. And for anyone listening who doesn't get a birth control prescription, I mean, it's also not something that's like a one and done prescription. I mean, it has to be pretty continually re-upped talking to your doctor. That's right. And also the hope is, so there's at least one other company that's in the process of trying to put together their own submission for a over-the-counter birth control pill. And those pills would be a bit different in their hormonal makeup. And so just like now for people, you know, looking for a prescription, the idea is to give people a lot of options because not every form of birth control works 
or is good for every person. And so while this will be the first, activists hope that it would not be the last. A lot of medical groups support moving this over the counter, especially in the moment we're in where abortion access is crumbling in a lot of the country. And the idea is that any efforts to help prevent unintended and unwanted pregnancies could help uh, reduce the demand for abortion. So, you know, even now with improved access to contraception under the Affordable Care Act, millions of unintended pregnancies happen every year. This is this is still a big issue. So if it's available over the counter, do we know how expensive it would be? So we don't know yet, but there is a big push from the advocacy groups that are supporting this application to have insurance for the people who have it cover the over-the-counter pill. And so you know, under the Affordable Care Act, if you get a prescription um, for birth control, it's supposed to be free, no cost to the patient. And so they want that to be true of the over-the-counter version as well. For people who don't have insurance, there is also a big push underway to make the pill very low cost and affordable. And so we will have to see because, you know, if if we're talking about people who can't afford to go see a doctor or can't afford to pay their monthly insurance payments, their ability to pay a lot for a pill of this nature is is definitely in question. Part of the study the company had to do in order to submit this application to put it over the counter is to show patients' ability to what's known as self-screen. So they're regular people, you know, going down the pharmacy aisle, grabbing a box of this off the shelf and looking at it and being able to say, oh, it says, you know, it's not good for people with X, Y, or Z condition. I have that. So I'm going to, you know, do further investigation. I'm not going to just take it. And so that is one of the key things here. Are people able to look at those contraindications and decide for themselves without a doctor doing it for them? Um, and the company feels like they have strong evidence that people are smart, they can do it. So that'll be one of the things the FDA is reviewing. So if the pill is approved by the FDA, where would those political fights be happening? Yeah. So as we've seen with the rules around abortion pills, the FDA can come out and say one thing and states can say, well, we don't agree with that. We're going to put our own restrictions on it. And that is likely to lead to a lot of legal battles on the abortion pill side that could happen on this as well. But I also think that it's a long road ahead just to see what the federal government is going to do. And there is some precedent to there being decisions made of this nature that are not solely scientific and medical in nature. So there was a years-long fight over the application to bring Plan B, emergency contraception, over the counter. And that dragged on for years. There was political meddling at the FDA in that decision. There ended up being lawsuits. Finally, after many, many years, it did go over the counter. And so could that happen again? Maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of support from the medical community for this. Where I expect to see the most pushback is in the idea of, will this be available over the counter to everyone or will there be an age restriction on it? I think that's going to be the biggest fight. Um, the pharmaceutical company and the activists supporting the application want there to be no age restrictions. They want this to be available to adolescents. Mm. I expect to see a lot of pushback from conservatives who will want an age limit or some sort of parental involvement and even some moderates or some on the left may also fall into that camp as well. 
So you mentioned the you know FDA timeline is never something that's very fast. Opal, the drug manufacturer, has been working on this for six years. What is the FDA's normal timeline? When, if it is approved, when might we see it on shelves? So what I heard from the pharmaceutical company and from some of the groups that have been working on this is that about 10 months is normal. So, you know, mid next year. Um, of course, as we saw with plan B, it can take a lot longer than that. It can take multiple years, but there is a lot of pressure right now, given the recent loss of abortion access to move this quickly. You have members of Congress writing letters to the administration. You have governor, democratic governors saying, get this done, get this done. Um, and so I think there is, um, going to be pressure on both sides of this and we'll, and we'll see if it has an impact on the content of the decision and the timing of the decision. Hormonal pills don't work for everyone. A lot of people don't like taking them because of how they make their body feel. But this is supposed to be and aims to be an option for people who don't have any options. Alice Miranda Olstein, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much. Also in the news, on Tuesday, the Senate approved the nomination of Stephen Dettelbeck to lead the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, making him only the second Senate-confirmed director in the gun regulatory agency's history. The vote was 48-46, with Republican Senators Susan Collins and Rob Portman joining Democrats in supporting the former U.S. attorney. And Ukraine will receive another $1.7 billion in aid from the United States and the World Bank, to pay healthcare workers' salaries and provide other essential services. This latest round of aid aims to address the acute budget deficit caused by the ongoing Russian investigation. So far, USAID has provided $4 billion in budgetary support to Ukraine. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Dispatch's senior editor is Ragumana Valen, and our executive producer is Jenny Ament. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>